Luxacult is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. Magic is yours if you want it. Yours if you want it. Magic is yours if magic is yours if magic is yours if you want it. Children picking up our bones will never know that these were once as quick as foxes on the hill, and that in autumn when the grapes made sharp air sharper by their smell, these had a being breathing frost. And least will guess that with our bones we left much more, left what is still the look of things, left what we felt at what we saw, the spring clouds blow, above the shuttered mansion house, beyond our gate and the windy sky, cries out a literate despair. We know for long the mansion's look, and what we said of it became a part of what it is. Children, still weaving budded aerials, will speak our speech and never know, will say of the mansion that it seems as if he that lived there left behind a spirit storming in blank walls, a dirty house in a gutted world, a tatter of shadows peaked to white, smeared with the gold of the opulent sun. That is a postcard from the volcano by Wallace Stevens. Hello and welcome to Luxacult. This is the podcast where we gleefully taunt the mundane, butcher the Latin and most other languages, and also discuss a variety of occult topics. I'm your host, Lux Estrada, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice, that means that this show and magic for that matter are for you if you want them. There are a lot of different ways to be more free, and using magic or making space for a spiritual practice in your life can be one of them. As always, I speak only for myself. Others can, will, and should disagree with me sometimes. How would we ever learn anything if we all agreed all the time after all? And like those who attempt to be reasonable should be willing to do, I am of course willing to revise my opinions based on new evidence. All right, so I'm very excited to be sharing a super fun conversation that I had with Josh, aka Junior C, about the solar punk aesthetic and how it has a sort of inherently magical central theme. How do the things that we create influence what the future of the world will look like and how we think about it? If through the actions of positive feedback loops, the science fiction of today becomes the technology of tomorrow, what does that suggest about how we should be contextualizing our creative endeavors? Josh and I will get into it. So solar punk is very much about the DIY ethos, and this ties in very nicely with a theme of a snack size conversation that I had with Joy about the upcoming The Green Mushroom Project zine, which we are actually now accepting submissions for. You can send those to tgmzine at gmail.com. So stoked to see what everybody is up to. 
Uh, we're going to be getting to that a little bit later during a break. We're also going to go over the five R's of sustainability. And there is also a few poetry snacks to share, as well as a short guided meditation, which I wrote for participants in the Green Mushroom Project Fungal Friday chats to do together on Friday nights. It's sort of like meant to help people gather in the astral tavern, as it were. All right, so before we get into all that good stuff, I would be remiss if I did not say thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me here on the show. I'm super lucky to have such amazing listeners and collaborators and everything else. I'm continually impressed with how chill and creative and just generally awesome all of you are, so fuck yeah. I haven't been using social media very much lately. It's sort of terrible in general, plus my introverted nature makes it extra challenging. But all this being said, it certainly does not mean that I don't want to hear from you all. I always welcome people's thoughts, questions, comments, suggestions, or arcane revelations. You can reach me at luxoccultpod at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on Instagram at LuxOccultPod. If you like the show and you're into what I'm doing, you can support it on Patreon. If you do so, you can take a bibliomancy break with me, and there are no tiers or levels or whatever, so give as you will. And if you're not into Patreon, you can also do like a one-time donation on Buy Me a Coffee. There's links to that in the show notes. Thank you so much to everybody who's already supporting the show. It really means a lot to me to be able to be doing this stuff, and you help make it possible. So much appreciated. I'm going to give a shout out to Cliff, who you can hear in episodes 20 and 36, talking about Enochian magic and astrology and so much more. I recently had the pleasure of having an astrological consultation with Cliff about my birth chart, and it was super interesting and insightful. And I think there was a, definitely a lot of helpful stuff in there for me. So, I mean, I gosh, think what you will about that stuff, but there was definitely something useful there for me. So shout out to Cliff and thank you so much for that. Also shout out to Rachel. I'm so excited to be doing Steel Maze Flow online. You can do that on Thursdays at fourthdimensionalfitness.com is her deal. And you can hear Rachel talk about it in episode 44. It's really cool stuff. So check that out if you're looking for an engaging and dynamic workout. So I have to say that I was actually in sort of a bad mood, like just in general. I mean, there's a lot of like things going on that one could be in a bad mood about in the world in general, whatever. Um, yeah, that's where I was at when I started working on production for this episode. But hearing what Josh says in this conversation really gave me a sense of optimism about the future and what might be possible if we refuse to let others write our narratives for us. And as you will see, future optimism and narrative are very much in line with the whole solar punk aesthetic. Also, you might already be a solar punk if you're into druidism or druidry or ever, so that's kind of fun. We'll figure that out. So yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Josh, aka Junior C. All right, well, Josh, thank you so much for joining me today. How's it going, dude? It is. It's pretty good, Lux. I'm having a delightful weekend and looking forward to expanding on this thing that is solar punk. Fantastic. Well, I'm so excited to hear about it. As is the custom here, uh, if you wouldn't mind giving a little bit of an introduction for yourself and kind of like, you let me know, like, yeah, how did you get into this? How did you get into magic and all that shit? Well, uh, I started as a geek young, played D&D when I was, you know, junior high, high school, all the way up through college and early adulthood. In school, I studied biology and then eventually got a grad degree in uh, environmental engineering. So I'm 
always considered myself in, in the green camp, as it were, the environmentally uh, aware and occasionally active. Um, I worked as a biologist, and now I work at, uh, in environmental remediation. So I do, I've kind of made a, a career of either supporting natural resources or how people use them. And uh, as far as magic, again, I started with role-playing games when I was in, in junior high. Uh, and the interest in, in, in the concept started there. I got kind of a, a roundabout path through interest in D&D. Maybe this stuff is real. Let's check out resources. Had a high school passing with the, the Satanic Bible and the, the, the strip mall Necronomicon. <laughs> and then didn't really get to serious engagement with chaos magic until about it's probably four or five years ago now with prometheus rising and then moving on through different different iterations different philosophies of, of chaos magic working through the core texts carol Ch- and chapman and, and visual magic jan Fries' book i fucking love that book God, I fucking love that book. yeah yeah it's it, it's a sleeper author, yeah. it i, it I haven't read any of his other stuff but like the tech the tech in that book is so amazingly useful that I don't know why more people don't don't uh, quote that and and refer to it as a, a foundational chaos magic book. It's, it's a great question. And through all that, I guess I, I landed in a an animistic paradigm where I'm primarily working with nature, animal, land, plant, spirits in my biogeographical region. I'm in the Sonoran Desert uh, in southern Arizona, and I work. Uh, with my uh, primary touchstone is with Raven because they hang out around here a lot. I worked a lot with Creosote and other random. I'll stop dropping spirit names because that's weird. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, but that's great. But have you worked with uh, Pinion Pine? Because they're awesome. <laughs> um, I love corvids. Like, I can see. Oh God, I, yes. I mean, I've worked a lot with with different corvids, and yeah, I, I, I get it. Hell yeah. Like that that's the only bird that I've I've almost developed a personal relationship with individuals, you know? Like sure. birds living in the neighborhood. I haven't gotten to the point where we're like trading bottle caps for, for peanuts yet, but uh I'm considering going that way. Yeah, I mean there's been so many studies out there. It, it can be done. They're they're fascinating yeah. creatures. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about solar punk. Well first what is it and how did you get into it? What is solar punk? What the fuck is solar punk, Josh? Solar punk is a, it's an aesthetic. It's a mindset. It's an idea for architecture. It's an idea for engineering. It's an idea for fashion. It's, it's an aesthetic at, at its, at its core. You know, Art Nouveau plays a little bit of a part in it, but as far as I've been able to, to run down, it hit the scene in the 2010s in Brazil and then got translated uh, a little bit into English, and eventually came out through the work of actually at Arizona State, the Hieroglyph Project. It's a collection of of solar punk. Well, it was a collection of short fiction that that centered on the idea that fiction writers actually create reality, as as has been demonstrated, uh, you know, for the past fifty years of science fiction and all all the tech that we saw in star trek 40 50 years ago however long that came out you know now that we've we've gotten to the point where we have communicators we're getting self-driving cars we're gonna have well 
maybe we'll have transporters and replicators soon. That'd be <laughs> awesome. But it's an, this acceptance of the idea that if fiction can create reality, then why the fuck are we creating a cyberpunk reality? Why aren't we creating this corporate bleak dystopia when we could be creating a just and sustainable world where we don't have to deal with the corporations and, and governments breathing down our necks and running our lives when we could be creating a world where, you know, it, it's, it's the utopian vision, the bio-utopian vision. Fuck, I don't know. That, it's, that's it. It's the bio-utopian vision and how we get there and how we work towards it is the execution of solar punk. Okay, fuck yeah, I love that. So just real quick, like it sounds like there's a sort of like inherently magical bent of thought within solar punk if we're thinking that there is this kind of feedback loop thing happening where we're creating the future with our writing and stuff. I, I like that that's just sort of baked in there. That makes sense. Um, I, I I think once once you recognize and accept that writing and, and art and those creative creative uh, explorations can affect the future then you're you're already doing magic you know like you're you're establishing an intent and you're creating finding a pathway to realize that intent that's as, as far as i know that's what yeah, magic sure, is sure and so like i mean i'm thinking about cyberpunk and everybody loves cyberpunk right it's a great genre and stuff and but to what extent like do these cautionary tales become self-fulfilling prophecies right if we think about it in the in the context of magic so yeah i'm very excited to hear more about solar punk fuck yeah yeah it's i you know i was a huge i still am a, a big cyberpunk fan like i cut my teeth on gibson and neil stevenson fuck uh, yeah dude yeah just he, he was an amazing writer i'm let i'm less thrilled with his newer stuff but like Anathem is still my favorite book, which is a hot take among Stevenson fans, I think, because it's widely considered one of the most boring of his books. But I'm also a... I haven't checked it out. Oh. Yeah, it's, okay. it, it is a parable of, of natural philosophy uh, retold through a coming-of-age uh, alien invasion story. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that sounds intriguing. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you really want fictionalized accounts of the the natural history that the Greeks uh, and the Romans pursued, um, Anathem's your book. Um, okay, all right. So Stevenson has has kind of veered away from cyberpunk. His his latest one, the name of which I'm blanking on now, was um, is very cli-fi climate fiction. It's a, uh, solar punk adjacent, uh, but it it took a very strong geoengineering angle, which is uh, kind of uh, up for debate in the in the solar punk community. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of visions of solar punk, and hard geoengineering is not in the main vein, but it's it's definitely um, it's definitely within the bounds, I guess. There's there's a lot of stuff that the solar punk community is for. And uh, like in any scene, you know, you'll get like, like the classic punk thing. Well, that's not punk. This is punk. This is not punk. This is punk. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> what is punk? <laughs> yeah. So Indeed. that, so it gets even nerdier when you like narrow it down to like one flavor of punk and, and solar punk is like, well, transhumanism is solar punk, 
but cryptocurrency isn't. But it kind of is, unless it's like <laughs> um, they the the big deal with cryptocurrency is the the energy cost because any cryptocurrency transaction takes like a whole village's worth of energy cost and it's incredibly fucking unsustainable yeah, you, you it's very stupid yeah, yes exactly so everybody's there, there's i i get most of my well i i follow the trends in in solar punk mostly on instagram because i am a, a genial i'm you know firmly between gen x and millennial and i don't i don't tick the talks <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm falling out of love with Facebook, so Instagram is like my my social media happy place, I guess, for the time being. Yeah, I'm the same way. I wouldn't call it a happy place, but it's a place I can stand being for a little while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Until the ads get too thick or the TikTok imports get too thick, and then it's like, eh, I'll, yeah. I'll go listen or to the Or I podcast. just get triggered, and I'm like, nope, all right, I'm done. <laughs> yes. fucking kids! It's either these fucking kids or these fucking boomers <laughs> who are invading. Yes, life is a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. And thus the visions of utopia. <laughs> so in this uh, solar punk future, it will just, it'll be like Instagram, right? No, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Full body horror shiver. Oh man. Yeah. I just, got, I gave myself one. The, uh, the, I mean, aesthetically, the, the solar punk future that that is popping up in social media is mega cities but green you know the, the, it's the the living city sort of model where everybody has rooftop gardens and vertical farms and you can locally source agriculture in urban areas which sure if it works out great but there's also you know if you run the analysis deeper building huge cities like that has huge huge construction costs it, it requires a great deal of resources to build buildings that big so there's going to be extractive industries uh, running somewhere to feed that sort of vision so the other extreme aesthetic for for solar punk runs towards more cottage core just the idea of, of, of small local communities uh doing uh independent locally sourced agriculture i'd say the most solar punk film that has been published to date is actually a Chobani commercial. The yogurt company Chobani made this <laughs> okay. like, Studio Ghibli style 30 second commercial spot. And like, you can probably find it uh, if you search it online, but it's, it's just this, these images of small farms, local power, as in like locally generated electricity mm -hmm. through sustainable means. Uh, they were using like blimps with, wind generators built into them and it was a fucking yogurt commercial which is just just the <laughs> kick in the nuts like the fact that it was this capitalist shill beautiful vision of the future that we want was just it was it was a little disheartening there's people have released like debranded versions of the video where they like take out all the chobani product placement and it's just like this beautiful studio ghibli like vision of the future that everybody can get behind and but knowing that it was uh made to sell yogurt is it it kind of hurts i mean it's not as bad as like if it was a raytheon commercial but it's, sure it's, it's, <laughs> well maybe raytheon owns chivani i have no oh, idea Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, trans- it would not not fucking surprise me. Transcontinental missiles and dairy products. It's <laughs> it's a natural portfolio. Who wouldn't go for Absolutely. it? Absolutely. All right. I get what you're saying about it being shitty that it's a yogurt commercial or whatever, but at least there's sort of this idea that's been put out there and the aesthetic has like been propagated. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the spores are out, as you might say. Absolutely. <laughs> the magic is yours if you want it. Magic is yours if magic is yours if magic is yours if you want it. Okay, so what are some of the central themes of the solar punk aesthetic? Okay. The, the big one is, is biophilia, and that's just my generalized term for respecting the validity of life in, in its human and non-human forms, while also kind of pushing uh, a technology base that is more life-friendly. So that includes sustainable energy, reducing environmental impacts from all sectors. And this is kind of why I like the, the cottagecore angle on, on solar punk more, just because like... Massive megastructures require extraction and destruction of landscapes. Whereas if you kind of like put people in a dispersed way across the landscape, it it has a a smaller overall impact, assuming not everybody is trying to live like an American circuit now. And and part and parcel with that idea is the the concept of of, of social equality and and, uh, demolition of hierarchies, social hierarchies, greater social equity for traditionally marginalized groups you know bipoc um the disabled there's a a, a very strong discussion current in, in solar punk about ableism and making making a future that is fully inclusive for all body types okay it's yeah it's it's one of the few social aesthetics artistic aesthetics anything that's actually even considering disabled people which is hmm. novel and important um and just another uh, tally on the board for for solar punk. Those are the, the I think those are the two biggest or the two largest ideas under the solar punk tent is the the biophilia and the social equality. And from there, if if you run those ideas out, you get stuff down the chain like you know local sourcing of materials, uh, creating sustainable energy, sustainable industries, localized agriculture, reduced length on supply lines from the social equality side, greater inclusiveness ultimately runs towards anti-capitalism and direct democracy, which I think is, I, I go back and forth on whether democ- direct democracy is a, a synonym for anarchism and, and like the, the green anarchism side, not the libertarian uh, anarchist capitalist. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of camps in anarchy. Oh, What's Jesus anarchy? Christ. Yeah. <laughs> What's anarchy, Josh? No, I, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have the PhD program to discuss that right now. I know. I didn't ask you to prepare notes for yeah. this one. That yeah. was a mean question to ask. Yeah. Fuck. You want to start a fight. <laughs> you want to start a fight on an anarchist server. Pretend like you know what the definition of anarchy is. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, I don't think it's hard to start a fight on no. an anarchist <laughs> server. Yeah. <laughs> a lot it's of like very... fish in a barrel. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're opinionated folk. No and offense. I love I love it. No offense, anybody. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it's important to realize that we are uh, a bunch of cats 
and we will not be herded. And everybody knows, well, everybody has an idea of what they want. And (laughs) yeah, fuck. I feel like a lot of people have an idea of what they want, but not a whole lot of ideas about how to get it. Yeah. I think that's just sort of the case in general with everything, though. We're all just trying to figure it out. Yeah, if if everybody figured out how to get what they want, I think we'd lose a lot of the parts of society that keep rich people rich and powerful people powerful. Oh, absolutely! And yeah. what a shame that would be. Boo hoo! Yeah, boo! That would be, that would be so sad. <laughs> Hey, what's up? It's me, Luxa from the future. The utopian solarpunk future where things are super chill. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We're going to be getting into the bibliomancy break in just a little while here, as well as into an episode within an episode in which Joy and I discuss the green mushroom project zine that she is putting together. and I'm so excited about it. I also wanted to let you know about a project Dave Ardrey from Unearthing Paranormalcy has been working on for the Green Mushroom. It's a series of rituals meant to be done remotely as a group, in which we will conduct planetary work within the context of the Green Mushroom Astral Temple. It's still in the testing phase right now, but so far it's been really cool. You can hear my conversations with Dave about druidism in episodes four and five of this show. He's been a longtime fellow traveler here and has been with the Green Mushroom Project from the very start. So much love to him as well as to Amy and Chad, his intrepid co-hosts there on Unearthing Paranormal. So you definitely check that out if you're looking for some spooky fun or looking to learn more about a variety of cool topics. Okay, so there's going to be more on the green mushroom, including a guided meditation I wrote for Fungal Friday coming up. But for now, let's get back into my conversation with Josh. I'm kind of curious here. We were talking about like this, and and one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you here on my occult show to talk about solar punk is because I think there's a lot of intersection between, well, I mean, people have talked about you know, punk rock and chaos magic and how there's like some intersection there yeah. that, you know, people are probably familiar with. And so I'm guessing that there's a little bit of that there with solar punk too. Could you tell me a little bit about like what that looks like more from like a solar punk aesthetic, I guess? I mean, the, the intersectionality between solar punk and chaos magic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, there's the punk aesthetic and the chaos magic idea of, of everybody get doing their own thing you know like it's it's a, a very diy culture chaos magic has a different paradigm that they've built for themselves just like every solar punk has a, a vision of what they want the future to be like and that is essentially the it's the same process of building a philosophy and creating practices that will reinforce that philosophy and move you to towards your your intended future there's the 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 green side, the ecological side, has, has in solar punk has a lot of correlations with a lot of magical paradigms. Druidry, modern druidry, as I understand it, is is almost straight up solar punk. And there's Wicca, a strong correlation with parts of Wicca. And then anybody who's doing nature-based animism is dancing the line of solar punk, as far as I I am, I guess. I, I'm not I'm not going to speak in absolutes, but it's it's definitely. Um, informed my practice and again the the animism angle um 
you're looking at the, the value of life, uh, of natural lives, animals and plants, and how they can, in, in, on the solar punk side, that's how they can be integrated into to human society and, and general global um, effort at keeping us all alive on this planet. And every, like, animists are some of the best people I've met who are able to figure out what what those animals and plants are wanting and needing. Not to say that there's definitely a role for, for science to play in that, like natural history and natural historians and ecologists and uh, zoologists, botanists have, have been working on this for, I don't know, about a century and a half, but magic practitioners have been working on it a lot longer. There's a, a much deeper history of interacting with nature as equals on the magic side. And I think it's, it's useful when crafting a, a, a vision for how to build that biophilic utopia that we don't just rely on the, the secular and scientific side, but we also look, look for that historical knowledge that native practitioners, and I'm, I'm saying that not just, not just as indigenous people, but people who work with the the land where they live um they build a a, a deeper knowledge of, of what is going on in their area basically it's an it's a holistic integrated view that can only help move that solar punk vision along i've, I've taken i've made efforts in some of the solar punk discord servers that i'm in to have advocated for the inclusion of, of magic practitioners uh, to be included in those communities because I think both sides can benefit from that relationship. Yeah. One else, one else. You've got rejection of capitalism and fascism in my in my notes, and that's in in magic at least how I practice it. It it lays bare those relationships between people and and between people and other living beings and people in the man made environment. And having that perspective is is useful on both sides of solar punk and in magic. Building equity, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't have a, a strong uh, argument for how the two build equity other than uh, just accepting the validity of everybody's viewpoint um, as long as it's as that viewpoint is willing to accept the validity of other people's viewpoints. Um, <laughs> all right, all right, hell yeah. Meta-subjectivism, I guess. Meta-subjectivism, I like this. It's a good term. Okay, well... Dude, Josh, how do you feel about taking a bibliomancy break? I would be delighted. Okay, fuck yeah. Let's do it. All right, so do you have a D4 and a D8? Indeed I do. All right, our D4 is a three, and D8 is a one. All right, it's going to be from Finnegan's Wake by James Joyce. (laughs) I was just telling somebody about that book today. Um, Even though I've never read it, I only know it by reputation. I was telling somebody what bibliomancy was, and I'm like, you know, people use the Bible or they use Finnegan's Wake. Well, it must have heard you because here yeah, it is, apparently. ready to, to jump to its task for you. <laughs>
All right, ah, fuck yeah. So great. I should have asked you before, do you have a question for the Oracle? Um, yeah, what can I do in my professional life to expedite a solar punk utopia? All right, fuck yeah. Oh, Eris. What can Josh do in his professional life to help to institute a solar punk utopia? Fudgem, Kates, and Eeps, and Nambic, and Eerie, and Unans on Kickard, XXOX, OXXOX, OXXOX, till I'm fussed fist like fungus stiff, and very presently from now, post haste, it's off, you'll see me rile you on my usual rounds again to draw. There you have it. Ooh. Thank you, Eris. <laughs> Clear as mud. Thanks, Eris. <laughs> all right all right i will take a picture of this and send it to you <laughs> yeah, because yeah. most of those words were well like Gen- most of this book. generally illegible uh, well they're just you know they're new words that i don't really know yet so <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i heard a, a funge in there um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'll have to meditate on that one there's yeah there's like a fungus fungus tiff Fungus diff was one of the words, so that's cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna have to dig through that. All right. <laughs> Looking forward to uh, listening back on that and performing some analysis. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts about the process of divination or anything like that that you want to share? Like, do you, do you have any ideas about divining? What's your divination practice like? Um, I'm generally a cardomancy guy and my go-to deck is the um the wild unknown animal spirit oracle deck which is each of the cards is an animal and then there's the major arcana which is fantastic creatures and a fantastic phenomenon uh and my my general if i've got a big question to work through i'll do just a regular i guess i guess it's a standard three card draw i don't know you know the what got me here, what's going on, and, and what should I do about it. That's my regular lay. But if I'm just doing Q&D, um, it's a one-card poll to see what kind of mindset I should be going into a situation with. And that's worked for me okay. But I, oh, yeah. Can I pull a card for you? I would fucking love that. Please do. All right. Should I ask a question, or how do you mm, normally do it? I usually ask a, a short question it's it's uh I, I go for short term like if i'm going to have a meeting or going to go on a date or whatever how you know how should i approach this event how should i approach this meeting um that sort okay. of thing okay and then how it, should i i think i got it i think okay. i got it how should i best approach finishing the very long podcast episode <laughs> that i'm currently mired in all right and your single card is the hyena. All right, um, all right. So, do you want me to? Well, I can read the the guidebook entry for you want, or you can run off your intuitive response to the hyena. How well? How do you feel about hyena? This this is your deck. Like, what is it? What's the vibe of the creature usually like for you? I mean, for me, a hyena is it's it's an earth creature. So you're you're going to be looking at, uh, um, yep. There's a 
in 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 fugibility, uh, in non fungible status to the uh, hyena. Um, it's it's earthen, it's solid, it's a scavenger is the is the big thing that stands out. Uh, it's also a pack animal. So my interpretation of that would be using what resources you have to hand uh, to accomplish your goal. You know, it's it's a very DIY energy to it, but the pack element also means that you are probably going to have to rely on, on some kind of uh, social connections, your friends and family, to pull through this somehow. Okay. That's okay. how I would go with it. That makes sense. I've already promised that the episode will be out tomorrow, so it's going to be done. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fuck yeah. I love it. I love hyenas, actually. I think that there's almost like a little bit of like a trickster vibe to them for me, um, which I'm sort of sensing too. Like maybe it's okay to get a little playful with this one and stuff. A little, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you. The fact that their vocalizations are, they sound so much like laughter that is all, yeah, that's a pretty good angle to take on it, too. Can we talk about how they're, like, the bad guys in The Lion King? Am I remembering <laughs> this right? Yes, yeah. They're not They're what not the even fuck? the bad guys. They're the, they're the bad henchmen. Yeah, which yeah, is... Yeah, like, what the... What, that's such a fucking weird choice. I don't... Whatever, I don't get it. But <laughs> thanks, big, Disney. <laughs> yeah. It's, for confusing us more about the fucking world. Well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the... You can... You can... I'll... I can relate it back to capitalism. The fact that, you know, whoever is not consuming primary resources and making do with people who are just making do with what's available are not contributing to capitalism and are therefore the bad guys. All right. Yeah. Okay. Because if you're not buying, you're a bad guy. That actually makes a lot of sense. You're not conforming to the social structure and that's why you're the bad guy in the Disney movie. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. All right. I'm glad we parsed that out. I'm always learning so much when I have these conversations. Thank you. Um, So before we get back to solar punk, I have a couple just, I was just curious, like, you know, hearing you talk about your background and stuff, like I'm curious to what extent, like your investigations into psychology and stuff have informed your magical practice. Like, are you into the psychological model or is that like less a thing for you or. Um, A little bit. I'm definitely in the meta camp to the point where I'm, I'm starting to doubt whether those those paradigmal models are valuable. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But but yeah, I can definitely like. I think for the most part, from from my perspective, the tangible effects that we get from from working magic uh, manifest psychologically in that it's a way of of consciously changing our behavior by by setting that intention. We are finding a new paradigm for ourselves and and trying to figure out a way to work towards that and that has all kinds of from my understanding of, of cognitive behavior behavioral therapy it has a lot of run over with that that being said i'm you know i i work with spirits as as models for the forces out in nature i don't rely wholly on the psychological model and i think the information model is really fun like, you know, that old, like, data cyber geek in me thinks that the information model of, of reprogramming reality is, is a cool idea. Um, I just don't see a, a clear path for how that manifests. Uh, I can't accept the assumptions of 
the universe being a program, basically. But how is that different than it being like a dream or like, I mean, isn't that all just the same thing? I'm, I'm into the meta model myself, so yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I guess it, it, if, if you think it's a dream, you could argue that that's the psych, psychological model. If you think it's a program, that's an information model, right? <laughs> There's no way to test either yeah, one of them, so right, who fucking cares? Right. <laughs> like, it, it, it all comes down to, you know, fuck around and find out. Um, sure, sure. Whatever's get getting the results is the model that's right. <laughs> Hey, what's up? It's me again, Luxa from the future. Speaking of the idea of experimentation, you know, fucking around and finding out as it were, let's dive into a short conversation that I had with Joy about the upcoming Green Mushroom Project zine, which is going to be called Fuck Around and Find Out Offerings of Magical Sovereignty from the Green Mushroom Project. And that will be out this autumn. I'm so excited about this project. It's gonna be rad. Um, So after we hear from Joy, we're gonna go over the five R's of sustainability before diving back in for more solar punk fun with Josh. So let's do it. All right, Joy, thank you so much for joining me this evening. How are you? I'm good, how are you? Doing pretty well. So people might have heard you before in other Green Mushroom episodes, but for those who haven't, would you mind going ahead and introducing yourself? (laughs) Yeah, I'm Joy. (laughs) I'm part of the Green Mushroom Project, and apparently Lux has had me on too many times already. (laughs) Is that what I said? (laughs) God damn it. Well, this is going well so No, so the reason that I asked you back today was because you had a very cool idea that I'm really excited about and I wanted to let everybody else know so that they could get involved if they're into it. Yeah, we're going to do a zine. Yeah, fuck yeah. (laughs) Just because. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so for people that don't know what a zine is, could you tell us what, what does that mean? For any any babies listening, <laughs> or people that like live in places where that's just not a thing, right? It might it might not be a concept everywhere. So yeah, true, true. Okay, so zines are like a form of self publishing, but and they you know they've been around since before like digital publishing and publishing on demand and such. Kind of started off really low tech DIY, really popular on like anarchist scenes, punk scenes, that kind of thing. If you know what chat books are. It's similar, but scenes can be about anything. They're often about, they often contain like poetry and writings, or maybe they're on a specific topic, like um, some kind of DIY topic. Like I'm just looking at a couple I have here. There's like foraging and gray water systems, and then there's like a history of women healers. We've got, oh, manifestos, those are fun. Um, sometimes comics and um, art and poetry. Here's one. 20 reasons to abandon Christianity. I guess I'd put that under manifesto. So there's a, <laughs> there's a, oh, and also conjure zines as ritual magic. So there's, zines are about anything. Yeah. Um, and you do it yourself mostly. Um, they've gotten kind of fancy. 
since digital publishing, but it's often, you know, somebody collaging or putting something together and just mass producing it with a photocopier or something like that. All right. Fuck yeah. So why are we doing this? Well, because there's so many things going on with the Green Mushroom Project. There's, we're, we're sporalicious. <laughs> there's so <laughs> many things happening when people want to share. <laughs> yes, slurp up our spores. <laughs> We decided we would just, you know, put out a call for submissions at some point and see what people are doing and then bring it all together and, and publish it and share it. Fuck yeah. Really fucking love this idea because people are doing so much cool work. And um, yeah, I just love the concept of taking it and binding it all together in this, you know, cool thing that people can enjoy. So if people are curious about contributing to this project, what should they do? And what, what kind of stuff are we like looking for for this? Sure. So things that specifically around the Green Mushroom Project, you know, if somebody wants to contribute rituals that they've created or share artwork or writing or something like that, that's um, either, you know, something they've done as part of the Green Mushroom Project or even just, you know, personal magic stuff that they want to share with the project and anything like that. Writings, art, mini comics, anything that I've said previously anything that can be printed that I didn't say previously I I would stay away from you know like 50 page manifestos but <laughs> yeah if you got 50 pages you should make your own yeah make your <laughs> you, own don't, you don't need it to be part of ours <laughs> I'm sure that you're gonna probably add you know um, more information to future episodes but if anybody is interested um, you can email me at tgmzine it's just tgmzine at gmail.com. That'll be the email that we use for submissions as well. It will we'll probably print it out on like um, five by five by eight by five pages, like one eight by five eleven. And if you split it down the middle, each side would be a page. So just, you know, keep that in mind for legibility and, and whatnot. All right. Fuck yeah. Well, very excited about this project. Well, yeah, Joy, thank you so much. Do you mind before we leave? joining me for a quick bibliomancy break surrounding moving forward with this project oh hell yeah <laughs> fuck yeah all right i want to ask the oracle a question so eris what i'm wondering is what should me and joy and everybody who's listening keep in mind when we're thinking about creating this green mushroom project zine all right let's see what book we're going to use Alrighty, let's see here. It's going to be Prometheus Bound by Aeschylus. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Maybe this would be a good time to mention that this idea started out as a newsletter, right? Yeah, yeah. While I but find this book, <laughs> we didn't want the responsibility or <laughs> of a newsletter. That's too. Uh, <laughs> the... It's too cyclical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus, I mean, that feels like something you get from your homeowners association, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Or like your aunt or something, right? It sounds, it's kind of like, it's a cool concept, like keeping things up to date and putting stuff together, but it's the stuffy name for it. So yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> All right. So I've got Prometheus Bound by Aeschylus. This is the James Scully and C. John Harrington translation. Oh, Eris. What should we all keep in mind when moving forward with the Green Mushroom Project zine? In sunless caves, 
They hadn't any sure signs of winter nor spring flowering, nor late summer when the crops come in. All their work was work without thought, until I taught them to see what had been hard to see, and where and when the stars rise and set. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All of their work was without thought until I taught them to see what had been hard to see. So where the stars rise and set. So I'm actually thinking this is a message about like perhaps time management. I'm thinking of like stars rising and setting as being related to like the cycles of days and stuff and like noticing that can be difficult. And But if you're not aware of it, your work might be thoughtless. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And maybe making, keeping it in context somehow. Yeah. Okay. Well, fuck yeah. Do you have any questions for the Oracle regarding this or anything? I ha- I have no questions at this time. Well, fuck yeah, Joy. Thank you so much for like taking a couple minutes to talk about this. I'm really excited about it. Yes. Can't wait to see how all of this turns out. I have a feeling it's going to be very dope. It's going to be awesome. Fuck yeah. All right. So do you have any thoughts or anything before I let you go? I guess maybe just resist by maintaining sovereignty of the self. You know, zines are an expression, uh, a form of expression, which fits really well with the Green Mushroom Project, particularly the part of the resistance statement. Fuck yeah. I love that. All right. Thank you so much. Total badass, as always. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Sorry. fuck yeah thanks again to joy please send your submissions to tgmzine at gmail.com by august 9th and see the link in the show notes for submission guidelines okay so since it came up let's go over the five r's of sustainability so this breakdown of it is from the university of tennessee's website thank you to them All right, so the first one is refuse. The first step to handle waste should be to reduce the amount that's made in the first place. So here's some examples that they give, like reuse a plastic bag at the grocery store if you can carry the item in your hand or bring your own bag. Don't use plastic utensils and sauce packets if you're taking food home and can use your reusable utensils. I've actually seen people carrying around utensils now, which doesn't seem like a horrible idea. All right, so the second R is reduce. Similar to refusing, reducing stops trash before it's even creating. So reducing the amount of trash you create, like all aspects of sustainability, isn't about being perfect. So if you can't or won't completely refuse an item, reducing the amount of it that you use is much better than nothing. So here's some examples. Uh, Only buy the amount of something that you'll actually use. Save some money that way too. If you decide to buy something, try to get it with the least amount of packaging as possible. All right, so the third R is reuse. If you buy an item that comes in packaging, reusing the container it came in can be a great way to keep it out of the landfill. And don't be afraid to think outside the box just because an item doesn't get use in its current state doesn't mean it doesn't have any use at all. So here's some examples. You know, old cleaned out pasta sauce jars and containers like that can be used for storing leftovers. Um, Cardboard boxes can be used for 
storing things in, obviously, thank you, University of Tennessee, <laughs> you can turn old t-shirts into reusable grocery bags instead of putting them in the trash. That's kind of cool. So, and if you're good at sewing, you can, like, make alterations to clothes and make them cooler or make them fit you better instead of throwing them away. All right, so the fourth one is recycle. Recycling is a better option than throwing something away, but there's a reason that it isn't listed first. It still takes energy to recycle an item, and it has to be transported to and from the facility that recycles it. Items also have to be reasonably clean to be recycled, and not only will contaminated items not be recycled, but they can also prevent the items around them from being recycled. So yeah, if you're like not doing recycling right, it's like you're hurting the whole recycling system. So if you are recycling, please be conscientious of that. Um, so here's some examples, like recycling a clean plastic container that is no longer able to be used for anything else because it is broken. And also you want to like check your municipalities about what kind of plastic and all that stuff. That's my note. Anyway, uh, recycling an empty bottle after rinsing it thoroughly. Okay, cool. Great examples of recycling there. Now this last one I really like, rot. Composting is a great alternative to throwing things in the landfill. It provides the right environment for organic materials like food and garden waste to be completely decomposed by microorganisms and things like fungi and bacteria and stuff like that. Anyway, plus it's great for gardens. So here's an example. Putting veggie scraps in the compost bin instead of in the trash. All right, so simple things, easy to do. Uh, thank you so much to University of Tennessee for that. <laughs> All right, so speaking of sustainability, in a few minutes, you'll hear Josh and I spontaneously invent an innovative new technology for harvesting methane. And there will also be a visit at some point from future Josh. All right, let's dive back in, shall we? let's dive back into some solar punk stuff so like when it comes to like implementing this stuff we've talked about you know the sort of the, some of the tie-ins with you know chaos magic concepts and you know some of the basics about like what solar punk is if people are curious about like solar punking shit out like what kind of things might they like investigate doing a lot of the advice i would give is the same advice for the question how do i live a greener lifestyle because it's it's finding ways to reduce your resource consumption um, and to build stronger communities in, in, in your community, local communities, build stronger local communities. The ideas about reduce, reducing resource consumption is runs down to eating locally, sourcing things locally, the old uh, the old R's of reducing, reusing, recycling, and I guess it's five R's now, refusing and uh, placing. I don't remember what the fifth one is. Um, but looking for ways to reduce the amount of plastic crap um, that comes through your life, using things that can be recycled or reused, like use a glass jar if instead of a plastic jar if you're going to get tomato sauce. You know, like cans can be endlessly recycled. You can always find a use for a glass jar. There's always like candy that needs a jar it's it, it's just little stuff building local food infrastructure uh if that means gardening in your own yard participating in a community garden 
uh, if you're living in an area where community agriculture is is running, uh, try to get into that uh, community community supported uh, agriculture. CSAs is, are a great way to support local agriculture. Yeah, fuck yeah. Just real quick, I wanted to shout out to uh, Adam Matlock, who's just started a local uh, food forest uh, in his community. Nice. It's it's always, uh, well, I was going to say it's always difficult to do that sort of thing where I am, but it's a question of making local choices. Like, it's hard for me to get locally sourced tomatoes, but I can, there's other sources of vitamin C and, and vitamins and minerals in my local environment. Like, I can and occasionally do eat cactus fruits. Saguaro is nice. coming into bloom now, so I'll, I'll be looking for saguaro fruit in a little while. Prickly pear fruit is edible. The seeds are delicious. The fruit is kind of like unsweetened pineapple. I can't recommend hmm. it too much. Uh, and then, you know, like grains locally, I can I can do mesquite flour. And again, cactus cactus seeds are are great sources of, of fiber and, and protein. Can you do quinoa where you are? Uh no, it, I mean maybe I don't know. I haven't looked into it. It's it's native to the Andes, or it's localized to the Andes, I guess. So I would assume it's probably not. It probably wouldn't be tolerant out here, but maybe I could grow it as a winter crop. I don't know. Yeah, I'm actually really not sure. It's in the amaranth family, so it's not like it's a grass. So it's yeah, a little bit of a different game. Anyway, well, yeah, I, <laughs> I, can, I can skip the middleman there and just we have uh, plenty, a couple of different varieties of local amaranth too. Oh, okay. Um, well, shit. I mean, you might be able to grow it there. If you're... Yeah. Very cool. Sharing resources is another thing that gets overlooked a lot. Um, tool shares, um, maker spaces for, for, as a resource for, for sharing tools and especially shop tools. Um, I know there's a lot of people who just love building shit, but like I know from experience that trying to build your own shop of tools is expensive and it takes a lot of space. But if you can find a way to share all that stuff, uh, you're reducing demand for, for uh, capitalist products and also promoting local community. Obviously, the uh, use your library. Libraries are, I think they've become pretty underrated now, and modern libraries have so much more available than just books. I know that on my, my local library system for the county has uh, audiobooks, music, movies, all available online, and I get fair number of my my audiobooks that way and it you know it reduces just anybody who's reading print now should realize that there's you know the the cost associated with that as far as as timberlands and i realize that you know trees that get you turned into books are it's usually not old growth but the the trees that were planted uh for those paper products are replacing old growth in many areas there's also the, hmm. the 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 diet angle of um, getting. Okay, I'm gonna preface this by saying I'm not vegan, and I occasionally aspire to be vegan, but I fucking love dairy too much, and I will occasionally dig on a carne asada burrito. But the food industry internationally is one of the biggest drivers for for deforestation and, and fossil fuel emissions, and if you can avoid eating at least beef. Uh, you'll be do- going a long way towards reducing your carbon footprint. As weird as that concept is, uh, I know there's uh, some problematic ideas about around the the carbon footprint idea, but it's people are still cutting down 
the Amazon to create pasture for beef. And uh, as long as that keeps ho- happening, we're we're putting our uh, not the planet, but we're putting humanity's future on the planet in jeopardy. As long as we're contributing to to um, global climate change. Yeah, I mean, I think if you can get like local beef, that's one thing, right? I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah. It's also, this is also nuanced, right? Like it's, yes. it's so situational. Plus, you know, cow parts, methane as a greenhouse gas is, is, I think it's something, a couple orders of magnitude. Methane is a couple orders of magnitude, a, a stronger greenhouse gas as far as trapping radiation from the sun uh, compared to carbon dioxide. So any anything we can do to reduce the amount of methane in the, in the atmosphere is pretty good. Everybody hold your farts in. Yeah. Well, sorry. Yeah. Or, or, <laughs> sorry. Or, or give cows butt plugs, something. <laughs> if, if we could collect cow farts and, and use them to run generators, it would, it would help, be helpful. But I haven't seen any, anybody uh, put that into effect yet. Hmm. You could probably just, uh, uh, like you said, a butt plug and a balloon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if if the cows a check valve. <laughs> hey, I think we've just invented a new thing. <laughs> Bessie's starting to float. We better get out there and harvest that balloon. Oh god. <laughs> just, oh god. The the engineer in me and the, and the pervert in me are uh, are warring to build this system. Fantastic. <laughs> That's good stuff. All right, well, we can patent this together. (laughs) All right, enough. Magic is yours if you want it. Magic is yours if magic is yours if magic is yours if you want it. The the social side on the solar punk is, you know, local action and and local unity. That comes down to finding local organizations that, are making changes in your community and, and joining those and supporting them or or starting them if you can't find one that's working towards your goals. That's you know local again with the CSAs, local uh, sharing organizations, the, the Buy Nothing movement. I don't know if that's on other platforms, but I'm, I am still on Facebook and Buy Nothing is uh, pretty big on Facebook, uh, and that that's you know a lot of people refusing to participate in capitalism when they don't have to which is pretty inspiring uh, and you can be cheap <laughs> well yeah yeah and and in this economy who doesn't, in this economy who, who doesn't like saving a buck or two yeah it's it, it's it, stuff like that i think will become more important and necessary as as we get later into late stage capitalism and and the wealth gap gets greater and everybody in the middle starts sliding down towards towards the uh poorer end of the scale it's it's going to be we're all going to have to find ways to to deal with having less money and and not being able to participate as much in capitalism that you know if we can start building systems of of local support to to ease that transition before it gets super bad uh everybody will have a better time and it will deprive deprive capitalists of the power that they hold from their place in the market and any anything that people can do to increase their own self-governance and reduce reliance on, on government for the support they need will also weaken the hold that that they have on us, too. So, you know, no kings, no masters. Uh, 
drop out, grow your, <laughs> grow your own food, all that good stuff. Fuck yeah. All right. All right. Fuck yeah, dude. Well, this is super interesting shit. Is there anything like along the lines of solar punk or your practice or anything that like I didn't ask you about, but that you like want to talk about? Mm. Anything exciting and new going on or anything or like? Let's see. I mean, it's as I've, I've had a fairly major life change lately and I've, I've been using that as a opportunity to, to redefine how I interact with society and make some of these changes in my own life. And it's been it's been a lot of a lot of fafo mm-hmm. you know looking for for new ways that i can reduce my footprint live live in ways that i that would have required more discussion uh in my in my last section of life um anything that in, can increase your own autonomy while also generating connections within your community is 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 probably a good thing in the long run but to answer your question no, I can't think. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's dope, dude. Fuck yeah. Um, do you have any questions for me? What, Luxa, are you going to do in the next week to usher in a solar from Utopia? Let's see. Well, let me look at my schedule here and see what I have planned. <laughs> I have a. I'm very into planning, so I actually do have a pretty good idea of what i'm going to be doing this next week well i'll be doing some magic you know we're going to be doing a ritual tomorrow which i'm really looking forward to putting some scripture together for the green mushroom project which will be arrived at through randomness and bibliomancy and stuff and then we will perform some exegesis on it and see where it leads us Uh, (laughs) i'm very excited about this so i'm thinking that like you know, because the Green Mushroom Project has sort of like this, I feel like it's kind of solar punk adjacent. Like there's yes. a lot of things about it that are, I mean, like, I don't want to say it's like absolutely a exact, inter, you know, an exact fit, but it's like, there's a lot of intersection there for sure. Yeah. So I think that, uh, you know, doing that will probably be contributing along those lines. All right. I don't know. That's a good question. Thank you. I'll probably also be, you know, I don't know if it's going to be within the next week because I'm very behind. But once I do, I'll be editing this. uh, Once I get caught up, I'll be editing this episode and getting it ready to put out there. So that will be one way I'll be contributing towards a solar punk utopia. I do want to return one more time to like the idea of hyper sigils and fiction being like what creates the future. Like, I think it's I do really think it's cool that right within solar punk there is this sort of like hyper sigil adjacent thinking yeah so yeah i I do i like that you're trying to introduce magicians to solar punk and solar punk to magicians and stuff and because i think that there's a natural alignment there so fuck yeah yeah just the uh, the ability to envision that the future is is what ties it all together and finding ways to work towards that future I, i feel like magicians practice practicing magicians maybe better than practicing solar punks at, at finding a way because that's that's the thing about um about chaos magic you know the the idea that intent has to have a way to manifest right mm-hmm. that there has to be a mechanism for it to actually happen and we're essentially manipulating probabilities to make it more likely and the the concepts in, that you see in, in solar punk literature and, 
and solar punk are are depending on uh, on kind of what phase of solar punk they are you know there's the i'd say not a lot of people write solar punk fiction that is already utopian like because once once you get to utopia where's the story you know yeah that's nope. a boring story yeah. right that's yeah. the problem with this shit right yeah so for sure so it, it, it's finding those stories about the transition finding ways creating pathways for the for the utopia to happen is i think where the gold in in solar punk literature work is fuck yeah Actually, I want to walk back what I said just now because Star Trek Next Generation is kind of utopian and there's oh, still yeah. some great stories there. So I don't know. Well, but yeah, I, and I thought about that because the, the Federation is utopian, but like. It's a post scarcity society. So like it's like it, that's the it's way different than what we've got now. So, yeah, yeah. Yes, but the all the all the stories in Star Trek aren't taking place, you know, back in the Federation. Like occasionally you'll see in in the movies, especially, or I guess in Picard, you'll you'll see visions of what life is like in the home worlds in the Federation back on Earth, and it's beautiful, and everybody has everything they need, and it's and it's gorgeous. But the the stories in in Star Trek aren't aren't taking place there. You know, there there are all the ships operating on the fringe. You have the utopian society going in and out and interacting with all the other societies around it. And, and that's where the conflict comes in. Um, yeah, that's true. Okay. Or, or the holodeck malfunction. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, You'd think they just stop fucking going in there. And, but... <laughs> and you get a musical number on a boat. And <laughs> yeah. I think the holodeck definitely helped the writers through a lot of dry times. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. All those, all those, crime noir stories and it's like come I on guys i fucking loved it though like brent spinner and all those fun roles like it's great yeah. yeah it's big fan it's it's more fun star wars is is it, i it, i always come back to the, the the trek versus wars um dichotomy i guess everybody thinks star trek is all or star wars is all all fun and cool but like when it comes down to it like it's just a soap opera um Oh, and totally. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it's space opera. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm tired of hearing about the Skywalkers when it comes down to it. And I want to see I want to see what's going on on all those planets. Like who's who's living their best life in uh, in Dagobah? Like where's the, where's the little <laughs> village in Dagobah where they grow like yams and and live in live uh, in balance with nature? Or uh, what are the moisture farmers doing on Tatooine? And and how does that economy work? And what? social structures have they created to eke a living out of that desert planet you know, like these are these are the things we really have to think about when it comes to building a, a utopian society but they're just it's not sexy you know like when it comes down to it building building societies is not sexy and it, i mean it can be but only to the right people right right <laughs> i like i like i was just saying like i love planning <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like i i've I've gotten okay at planning because I have to, but when it comes down to it, I, I as spontaneous as I can be. Well, that's why I'd be in charge no, oh, yeah. <laughs> of this new society that we're going to build. <laughs> the green See, I'm, a, I'm an anarchist. Yeah, I'm an anarchist as long as I get to be in charge. Okay? <laughs> everybody, everybody, do as thou wilt as long as it's. As it's in line with Lux, with Lux's got in mind. 
<laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> when you take it to the next level, it's it's not the Green Mushroom Project; it's the Green Mushroom Culture. And you keep right. the, keep the metaphor rolling and uh, and scale it up. This is good stuff. Well, I'll need you here to help me implement all this. All right. I'll. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll be, I'll be working on on the uh, fungal bioplastics projects, trying to make houses out of mushrooms. I fucking uh, love that. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening right now with like dude. materials and fungus yeah. and shit. It's very cool. Yeah, there's whole groups, like working groups in in universities, trying to replace plastics with fungal materials. And it gives me so much hope that we can finally break. Uh, the fossil carbon addiction and and actually start storing atmospheric carbon as as plastics yeah just everything everything about fungus and plants that we could be utilizing but aren't kind of makes me sad like i do environmental remediation for work and anytime that i can't make a project sustainable like i'm i'm cleaning up groundwater i'm cleaning up soil and Nobody ever wants to take the time to do it using solar power or trying bioremediation. It's always, you know, these mechanical means. And it's, I mean, it's fulfilling to get the work done, but it's also like we could make this better and we could, you know, this, this these pollutants could get turned into fungus, which builds soil, which could later turn it into, you know, a, a productive microurban farm or something like, you know, we're we're not fully utilizing the possibilities and it, it makes me a little sad but it also gives me hope for the future that those possibilities exist and at some point somebody somewhere will be willing to like take the plunge spend a little bit more money in the short term to get long-term sustainable results and that that's that's what it, it, my i think my complaint with capitalism boils down to is that in this late stage capitalism where everybody's driven by quarterly returns nobody's willing to make long-term investments in sustainability. The myopic nature of it is problematic. I think that that's my biggest concern with it too, is nobody's fucking looking at the long-term. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's how we uh, burn ourselves off the planet, is one gallon of, of petrochemicals at a time. The attitude of like just not being accountable is like, it just kind of, it's hard to fucking respect, right? Like oh, if yeah. somebody's not going to be like accountable long-term and shit, as I said, hard to fucking respect. So, yeah. The corporate structures that, that govern all these decisions, really nobody is accountable at all. And mm -hmm. you look at stuff like uh, the 2008 crash and go back and look at how many bankers went to jail because of that. Uh, I believe it was one. Um, you know, like they... They, plugged... <laughs> yeah, they needed to have some sacrificial lamb to send. <laughs> yeah. Like... And it, and it, yeah. It, it wasn't like a guy who caused it to happen. It was just like some bit player when there was thousands of people actively fucking over everybody else to make a quick buck. And uh, those people should hang. Uh, well, I mean, and, and see, like there's a, there is a big attitude that like, that this is totally fine. This is like how the game is played. And if you're not doing it, you're not playing the game. Right. And it's like, we've gotten to that point where it's like, this is how you're supposed to be behaving is yeah. like a fucking criminal all the time. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's yeah. very strange. I want to put this game away and play a different one. <laughs> <Let's>... <laughs> this, this is 
too much Monopoly and not enough D and I want to play the Solar Punk Bard and fuck everything that moves or doesn't in a sustainable, beautiful future. <laughs> sure. If the rules of the game aren't serving you, then maybe you should play by the rules. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or or change the game. You know. Um, sure. Absolutely. There's that book, Finite and Infinite Games. Um, I can't remember who the author is. Oh, you read yeah. That? Oh, God. No, it's on my wish list, though. I've been, I've read the like synopsis of it. And I was like, oh, Infinite Games. Yes, please. Like, I really want to yeah. read it. Is it good? Yes. I read that uh, in my 20s, uh, which is a couple decades ago now. I'm going to spoil it. There's only one Infinite Game. And everything else, like the Finite Games, everything is rule sets. The Finite Games are defined by the rule sets and people's willingness to participate. But outside of all that is the one infinite game which i don't recall it being spoken but it's basically like and, and that's life uh is the infinite game so get out there and play but it, it it really opened my eyes especially as a you know a young role player like oh shit like the rules are totally mutable and we can change them and we don't we don't have to be living in this shit we can we can make those changes. We can we can change the way the game is played, and and not have to deal with all this bullshit that is dragging everybody down. Also, fuck capitalism. I don't know. Fuck yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I'm feeling a little ranty. I guess this afternoon. No, I'm here for it. You're in the right place. <laughs> I'm endlessly fascinated by you know game theory and this shit. Like I'm not like an expert by any means, but it's something that I do find very interesting and useful in terms of like trying to contextualize some of how like systems dynamically behave i guess like natural yeah. systems and i don't know yeah it's very good stuff yep hey this is josh solar punk future bringing you an addendum asking you to support your local plant spirits. Part of building a sustainable future is localizing your economy. One of the best ways to do this is using plant products native to your area. It reduces dependence on globalized logistics systems and increases local resilience in the long term. For example, here in the Sonoran Desert, we can use mesquite flour in a number of recipes as a partial substitute for wheat. I've also used mesquite wood for tool handles and have made pigment from the vibrant green leaves. I enjoy roasted barrel cactus seeds as part of breakfast cereals, and I extract the active, active constituents of creosote to make a healing salve. Wherever you live, local plants can become a bigger part of your life. Look for books or classes on foraging and edible and medicinal plants in your area. And if you use wild plants, please harvest responsibly. Many plant medicines are overharvested already, placing their species' survival in jeopardy. Consider growing the plants you use. It takes some pressure off of wild populations. Thank you. I'll see you in the solar punk future. Alright, fuck yeah. Thanks to future Josh. Future Luxa here with another poetry snack to share with you. This sonnet was written by Sarah Howe and is called Relativity for Stephen Hawking. When we wake up brushed by panic in the dark, our pupils grope for the shape of things we know. 
Photons loosed from slits like greyhound at the track reveal light's doubleness in their cast shadows that stripe a dim lab's wall, particles no more, and with a wave bid all certainties goodbye. For what's sure in a universe that dopplers away like a siren's midnight cry, they say a flash seen from on and off a hurtling train will explain why time dilates like a perfect afternoon predicts black holes where parallel lines will meet whose stark horizons even starlight bent in its tracks can't resist. If we think this far, might not our eyes adjust to the dark? All right, fuck yeah. Well, I will be back later on to share a meditation that I wrote for the Green Mushroom Project Fungal Friday. But for now, let's dive back into the rest of the conversation I had with Josh, aka Junior C. People ask me about this sometimes, like because I'm I have like a sort of scientific background yeah. as well. Not sort of scientific. I have a degree in biology. I have a <laughs> right. scientific background as well. So I'm curious, like when people often ask me, like, well, how does that inform my practice? And for me, it, it definitely does. Like I look to the natural world and I look at like these models for things that are working, and I'll sort of adopt those different like models in terms of like metaphors and you know, yeah. abstractly, just, you know, this, this is something that's a proven concept, I'll adopt it. So I'm curious, like, how, how might that play out for you? I, I take a similar viewpoint, like, looking at the natural world, because my, my undergrad, I think I said that was in biology. I was a biologist back in the day, before I came to engineering. But, you know, the, the nature is the great sandbox, you know, mm-hmm. great concepts, any, any number of concepts through all through history have been tried out and either adopted or died out in, in biology. And it's to be able to look at that. I think that's one of the strong points of, of natural philosophy and, and, and science is that we can, we have a way to, to look at how these systems have developed, why they work or why they don't. And the fact that uh, extinction is so case specific um, that you have to have somebody there to see what happened and, and record it. We don't we don't have strong negative models in biology just because we don't have a, a strong understanding of how extinctions are working. So the fact that we have so many positive models, we can, you know, you look at a species that's living now and see how they're living and how they deal with their environment. It's harder to look at what didn't work because it's not around for us to see generally. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the, nature is is the great toolbox. You know, like it's so many different kinds of maybe tech. Well, technology, yes, no, behavior patterns, ways of making a living, ways of feeding yourself, ways of, of reproducing, uh, social structures. It's it's this great laboratory that's always running around us, which we're destroying for no good reason. But we're losing. I think that's the the big decline is robbing us of all that potential knowledge for how we could be governing ourselves uh, and how we could make our living in the world while also coexisting with their neighbors. Animals are not well known for for killing off other species around them. And I think that's something we should be looking at. Like what, I mean, we know what we're doing wrong. We just need to find some positive models for how to change it and, and move that direction. And it's, there's no way to do that 
for the whole society at once. So people have to, individuals and, and, and small groups have to be able to look at these models and, and adopt them, uh, try them out, see if they work for them and, and keep the ones that work. And as, as if we can, if enough people can embody those changes, then that's when we'll see, start seeing real tangible results as far as the, the species long-term sustainability. You know, we, as, as a species, we managed for hundreds of thousands or millions of years to do okay on the planet without burning everything to the fucking ground. Uh, and then some assholes come along and, and build the steam engine. And here we are 150, 200 years later, and we're teetering on the brink of ecological collapse. So it's, it's this angry blip in history that we need to get past if we're, if we're going to survive as a species. Um, in, in the long term, I don't worry about the earth. People are like, we're destroying the earth. We're, we're not destroying the earth. The earth is. The earth will be fine yeah. without us, guys. Yeah. It's us we need to fucking worry about. The, yeah. The Anthropocene is a, a burp for Gaia. You know, like it's, it's a piece of bad cheese. But long term, we're only fucking ourselves over. And we need to find a way to get over that, get past that, get through that, and, and realize a greener, better future. Um, it's. I, I hesitate to you know point back towards native uh, native cultures and stuff because native cultures had their their own issues, um, but they seem to have figured out the whole living sustainably on the land thing. I realized like the whole idea of like the North America being like this verdant garden that that natives were just inhabiting um, is is kind of a dead model, and the fact that. That the that North well the Americas in general were aggressively terraformed by the people who made it here to make it a living garden and to to make it a, a some a, a place where people could live in perpetuity um, and then again the fucking Europeans came around and fucked it all up it's, it's white people fucking things over for everybody yeah uh, so I make a history podcast with my brother and there's a lot of stories like that in history yeah. where the Europeans show up and fuck everything up. Yeah. Yeah. So, get, uh, on on a on a, le- a personal level, I guess you got to deal with um, as a, as a big gangly white dude uh, living in North America. I get I got to deal with that history and and kind of make amends with that. And I, probably part of uh, my personal motivation for for adopting these practices is is trying to make up for the bullshit that my ancestors perpetrated on this planet and this and this continent i mean i don't know i see it this way like look nobody gets to choose like oh as far as we know i've heard some arguments about this but as far as i understand from my experience i don't think anybody like gets to choose like who they are when they're born right like all you get to choose is like what you do with your life and the actions you take and how you're going to live your life right like i mean obviously there's going to be a bunch of different uh, things available in all kinds of different circumstances depending on who you're born as but i don't think anybody gets to choose that hand that they're dealt right only yeah. what they do with it only only the way you play the cards not not the not the original hand so yeah yeah and and the the best we can do with the hand we're dealt is try to make uh other people's lives a little better like it's the default is live your best life and that's kind of we've kind of seen where that runs the the rampant selfishness that uh gets promoted by um capital culture but 
if you if you can change that to you know what can you do for other people around you what can you do for the land around you what can you do for the animals and plants around you what can you do for the fungi around you <laughs> it's it, it becomes it, it takes the emphasis off the ego and automatically starts building stronger communities um, and that I think is one of the most important changes that that people can make is how can we how can we help each other and it, it doesn't I'm you know I'm not advocating that everybody become a become a Buddha sit under a tree for 40 days and, and suddenly become this perfectly enlightened selfless being but like you know give the homeless person a water bottle don't don't be a dick is is what it don't boils be down a dick. to don't be a dick don't Thank be a selfish be a asshole and and just think about how your actions affect other people and other beings and after you've made those considerations are you still going to do what you're going to do if so okay that maybe it passes the sniff tests um maybe you're still a dick i don't know it's 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 always a question of personal work i guess and that's that comes back to magic too because that's basically as as far as i'm concerned magic is self-improvement uh with with uh stars and candles you know it's it depends on who you ask. I yeah, know. yeah. I heard it's to get late paid and even. So I know. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a lot of things depending on what. You yeah, for, that's of true. It's it, a tool, I it, think. But yeah, yeah, it is. It's a toolbox. I'm. I guess I'm interjecting myself into it. I like that though. No, I think that's dope. And I mean, I self improvement with stars and candles sounds good. <laughs> I mean, here for it. <laughs> Well, no, dude, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to like share your thoughts about this stuff and, and other stuff as well. It's cool hearing, hearing about your practice and everything and all that. So I said, do you have any like last thoughts or anything like that before I let you go? Um, I want everybody who's listening and able to come and participate in the Green Mushroom Project because we're building a good thing. And it's I know it's helping helping a lot of people. It's building community. It's uh, helping some people heal. It's offering support to a lot of people. And I think it's a, a very valuable group practice. Uh, if you're interested in magic, practicing magic, or you're totally bored with magic and you just want to make dick jokes, um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a very, it's a, it's a valuable undertaking. Uh, and I think as many people as find it valuable should be involved. Okay, yeah, thank you. Well, I'm so glad that you're finding it valuable and that you found us and everything. Like, it's been really cool having you with us, and you've contributed a lot of fucking interesting, cool shit. Like this conversation just now. So fuck yeah, I'm so excited. And um, yeah, thank you for saying. And everybody listening, yeah, if you're into it, you should check it out. There's all kinds of cool stuff happening with the project, and you know, you don't really have to interact with us directly if that's like not your thing. There's a lot of folks out there who are like maybe a little bit on the shy side of stuff and that's fucking totally cool too like we we see you we hear you we're, we know you're out there shout out to fantastic monastic like i think <laughs> it's dope so you know i yeah however works for you works for us so yeah, yeah. okay yeah. yeah and remember the power is in you the uh, power is in you <laughs> i i can and just do a bunch of random quips and you can edit them in wherever you want okay um, no, I, that, that was the only one I had. Oh, I'll man. Probably, if, if, I, if I think of any more, I'll let you know. Um, let me see. Uh, the magic is yours if you want it. 
Ooh, I like that one. What about what about the 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 real treasure was the <laughs> You know, it's true. The real treasure was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> and and it it totally is. I I value all the friends I've made through the Green Mushroom Project. Um, and I appreciate that you got this ball rolling. I know it's been a, a group effort, but you have been the biggest effort efforter. Um, and <laughs> and I appreciate your work on this, Luxo. Thank, thank you. you. Well, I thank you, man. I really appreciate you saying. And um, yeah, it's a fucking honor, man. I'm so glad to be doing it. So thank you. The power is in you. The magic is yours if you want it. The power is in you. Magic is yours if magic is yours if magic is yours if you want it. The real treasure was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Alright, thanks so much to Josh. Dope stuff. If the stars align correctly and I don't run into any snafus, this episode should be out just in time to say happy birthday, Josh! Or perhaps happy late birthday. We'll see. Whatever the case may be, cheers, dude. Many happy returns. If you all are curious to learn more about Solarpunk, check out the show notes where you will find a list of links that Josh has been kind enough to put together for you. You can also find a link to the submission guidelines for the zine Fuck Around and Find Out Offerings of Magical Sovereignty from the Green Mushroom Project, which is coming this autumn. Submit your submissions to tgmzine at gmail.com no later than August 9th, 2022. Submit. Yes. Uh, big thanks to Joy for joining me for this episode and for putting the zine together. The topic of hypersigils came up a few times today directly, and it was always sort of hanging out in the background the whole time. Solar punks seem to have a working understanding of an adjacent concept, you know, and how they view the relationship between fiction and future. If hypersigils are something that you're curious about, check out episode 7 of the show, which is titled Thought Forms, Hypersigils, and the Astral Temple, Explaining Chaos Magic to My Brother, Part 3. Um, there are also a few episodes featuring Aiden Wachter, whose book Weaving Fate contains a hypersigil technique that I really like. Those are really cool conversations, so listen to them if you're interested. Also check out episode 21, Hypersigil Salt and Exorcism Through Art with Fabiku Fatumisi. Really dope stuff there, too. Episode 37, Process versus Product and Hypersigil Cassette Tapes with Adam Matlock, aka Anne Historic, also contains a discussion of this topic. You can tell I'm probably into it, um, but this one is in the context of sound magic. So shout out to Adam. You can check out his new project, Win at Food Forest, on Instagram. I'll put a link in the show notes to that. It's really cool to see some of these concepts that we talked about today in action. So fuck yeah, Adam. Very cool. Okay, so if you like the show and you're into what I'm doing here, you can support it on Patreon. And if you decide to do that, you are entitled to take a bibliomancy break with me. And there's no tiers or levels or whatever, so give as you will. If you're not into Patreon, you can also do a like one-time donation thing on buymeacoffee.com. There's links to that stuff in the show notes. And thank you so much to the people that are supporting this already. It really does mean a lot, and um, I really appreciate it, so thank you. Okay, so... Just to change the subject for a second, an errant random thought here. 
Uh, maybe don't buy stuff from companies who are supporting political candidates that you disagree with. Um, you know, boycott companies who are contributing to things like social movements that you're philosophically opposed to. And instead, give your money to companies and other organizations with whom you are more aligned. Probably easier said than done since there's like five companies that own all the other ones or whatever. No, I'm just kidding. There's plenty of like independent businesses out there, which definitely you should support. But anyway, money speaks loudest in our system, right? So it's a tool that can be used to express your opinions, which I would encourage you to do. Um, I've heard people boycotting places like Home Depot due to some of the financial decisions they made or like who they've support, like shown support to. So that's just an example there. Um, anyway, what you should not boycott, but instead enjoy to the fullest extent possible, are the many great shows on the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. We've got Administrism, Ad Hoc History, Unearthing Paranormalcy, Grognostics, XV Planus, Primordia, Faithline Council, and Smuts Up Podcast. A program note, we recently recorded an episode with consent educator Zach B for that show about understanding consent through a model he's developed called the Five Pillars of Consent. I decided to share that conversation here on the Luxacol RSS feed as well, so look out for that in the near future here. Zach shares about how the concept of no means no really sets the bar too low and speaks about how consent is informed, voluntary, enthusiastic, specific, and timed. You might have heard this very good advice before from many different people. Don't be a dick. And understanding consent is a very important part of this, uh, just in a general sense. So it was super fun and informative conversation too. And definitely don't miss it here or on the Smuts Up show where it will be given a bit of a different treatment to fit the vibe there. Okay, so tell me, I would like to know the same question that Josh asked me, what are you going to do to usher in a solar punk utopia? Write to me at Luxacult Podcast and share your thoughts, questions, suggestions, or arcane revelations, or other things like that. You can also find me on Instagram at LuxOccultPod. All right, as promised, we will end here with something I wrote for Fungal Fridays. It's a meditation we've been doing as a group on Friday nights during the chat as a way to sort of bring the chat cyberspace or whatever into Green Mushroom astral temple space, if that makes any sense, sort of like mashup there or whatever. We were curious to see what that would be like, and so far it's been cool. As is the case with any guided meditation thing, it's most likely sort of ill-advised to listen to this while you're driving or operating a forklift or a dump truck or whatever. I don't know. Just be safe out there. I'm sure you know what you're doing. It's fine. Um, if you are going to listen to the meditation, though, this would probably be a good time to like find a place to sit down and chill for a second. It's not very long. And think about this. Remember that when presented with two unattractive options, the best thing to do is to try to invent a third better one. You know, try not to let dualistic thought hem you into a corner or keep you in a box. Also, if fiction becomes future, which sort of seems to be the case as we've been talking about today, let's tell the sort of stories that we would actually want to live in. Resist. Resist by maintaining sovereignty of the self. Resist by maintaining love of the self. Resist by maintaining fierce loyalty to love and pleasure. Resist with acts of radical kindness. Focus on the path to better times. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Lexicult podcast. Don't forget to stay strong and stay fucking curious. All right, let's head to the Green Mushroom Astral Temple. Thanks so much to Kuvaro for composing the Green Mushroom theme, which will end this. Thanks also so much to Josh, aka Junior C, and Joy for joining me today. And thank you so much for listening. Until next time, cheers and much love.
Let's meet in the tavern on Fungal Friday by Lux Estrada. Take a few moments to relax and begin to become aware of your breath. Shift your body into a more comfortable position. Make small adjustments to your posture, to your head, your neck, to your hands and to your feet as you begin to relax, breathing deeply. Feel where the air touches your skin, noticing the temperature and motion of it. Allow each breath to fill your lungs, and when you exhale, push the air out until you feel a thirst for the next breath, the next deep inhale. Continue to breathe, feeling the air fill your lungs, connecting with the branching pathways there, oxygen entering into your blood, dancing, giving nourishment and strength to each cell in your body and each tiny creature which comprises your collective. Feel it renewing you, instilling you with resilience. Feel the firmness beneath your feet, the solidity of the structures which support your body. Follow that feeling of firmness down, down towards the ground, into the ground, down into the earth. Notice the feeling of stillness there, of centered stability. As we go down deeper still, we find that the stillness is a buzz with subtle activities of life. Small things taking place in seeming silence and seeming stillness tiny happenings which give way to cumulative bloomings of many types. Take a few moments to explore whatever activities, whatever connections you feel around you. As we reach out with our minds, we can feel that there is a web of fungal hyphae there too. Notice how it stretches out in vast searching ways growing broadly, reaching openly, exploring the deep places in the ground. Feel the action and the stillness of it. Sense now, in as many ways as you are able, the moment we are in. Consider the connections to the past and to the future which stretch out on either side and think of all the ways in which these paths of your life have interwoven with others, will interweave with others. Think of how they interweave in the now. Like the mycelial hyphae, this network of time exists as a vastness of branching paths, of dancing signals, of shared resources and experiences. It is a structure of immense complexity, a pattern that is your pattern, the book of your life written in a non-linear woven tapestry. As we sit together in this moment, connected with word and with purpose, as well as with sparks and with wires and with the unseen actions of our organic and inorganic technology, consider that we form a sort of circle one which exists outside of space and outside of place, 
like a ring of mushrooms much more complex than might first meet the inner eye. Out of this complexity, this hyphal web, emerges a familiar shape, a figure rising up before us. It is the mushroom, looming large and growing more distinct. As we move towards it, we are able to sense it with greater ease. Can you feel its inviting pull? That place of gathering at these crossroads where we now meet? Notice that there are tiny lights, green spores, floating all around us. They dance in fractal patterns in the eddies of our breath, collecting in our hair and in our eyelashes like snow before sinking in, infusing us with their magic. Ahead now, the door is opening to us, and we can see the glow from within the tavern at the mushroom's base. There are smells of savor and sweetness, of spices and loam and baking bread, the crispness of ciders and exotic herbs. There is laughter floating in the air, and music which weaves through the twisting currents of spores. As we move forward, we cross the threshold into the tavern and all of a sudden we see that we are all here, together, in this place of our own which we have built between worlds. Welcome. Occult is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. To hear more great independent productions like the one you just listened to, visit our catalog at tgmpodcastnetwork.com. Hi, I'm Frater Yarmarud. And I'm Zarina. And we'd like to introduce you to Administrism. What is administrism? As an occultist, for years I felt the universe directing me towards a practice that was ecologically based with a foundation laid out by cultures untouched by the influence of what's become modern Western society. With labels like shamanism and neo-shamanism carrying too much uncomfortable post-colonial baggage, I've decided to take my own approach. Join Yara and me as we research and develop a magical system where we recognize our place in nature with all the life that surrounds us. We want to share with you our journey into a paradigm that incorporates ritual and ecology, anthropology and metaphysics, biology, and the occult. 
using ethically sourced material, historical accounts, ethnographic records, and our own personal experience, we want to share our discoveries as we watch Administrism grow in an organic blend of traditional spirituality, modern science, and a dash of homesteading, without all the connotations associated with labels like shamanism. We hope that by listening to how Administrism sprouts in us, it will plant its seeds into your own practice. This way, you can find your own balance between magic and nature. Because the world needs room for both. And don't forget, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So what's up? It's the Sex Positive Comedy Show your parents forgot to warn you about. I will be your delightful host, Jeep Weird, and with me are my three very sexy friends. I'm Captain Spanx, drop an anchor, it's a I spanker! Hi, I'm Raven Gunnigan, and I'm about to eat 16 feet of nerd rope. And I'm Luxa, and that is all you get to know about me. <laughs> Join us for a ride full of twists and turns as we explore the rabbit hole that is I human sexuality. I, Smuts Up Crew, would like to propose... Oh my god, he's proposing. A question. Get down on your fucking knees. (laughs) If you're curious about expanding your horizons or getting more comfortable in your own skin, then the Smuts Up podcast is for you. Or maybe you're just a horny nerd or a person who enjoys outdated references. The Smuts Up podcast is fun for the whole step family. I'm going to say the B word. (laughs) Butthole sunning. If you were to put a hot dog in it, is it a sandwich? (laughs) I don't know. Is a bread dilder with a hot dog inside it a sandwich? Write to us at smutsup69 at gmail.com and let us know what you think about that. Available on your favorite podcast apps. I put a D20 in my mouth. Nailed it.